Amen. I didn't know I knew that one. But I like it. He'll do it again. Praise the Lord. If he's done it before, he can do it again. He's a miracle-working God. Amen. I'm still holding out hope for this election to turn out right. I'm praying for God to pull off the impossible so that he gets all the honor and glory. Or it just might be his will for us to tighten it up a little bit and get serious with God. We'll just have to wait and see, won't we? It's exciting times, isn't it? Exciting times. Acts 2, Acts chapter number 2. Anybody a little bit cool? If you're a little bit cool, raise your hand. Oh, that's... Putting both hands up don't help, Marcus. Everybody comfortable? If you're comfortable, raise your hand. Oh, we'll leave it like it is then. I don't know. I've got a draft coming from somewhere over here. You feel it? It feels like, it feels like somebody left the door open up here. <clears throat> I'll warm up here in a minute. If y'all holler amen while I'm preaching, I'll work up a sweat. Acts 2. Acts 2. Are you there? Stand up and stretch your legs for just a second. Let you rest them for a minute. Acts 2, verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Lord, help us now tonight as we dig into the scriptures. I pray that you'd challenge and stir and encourage our hearts from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't want to turn this cold air off on this platform for me, Brother James. I appreciate it. We're going to back up just for a second and do a quick review. We started a few weeks ago looking at God's prototype of the local church. Uh, and my burden was to really just kind of remind us as a church how the church started and the characteristics and trademarks of the early church. I, I just be honest with you. I know I say this often, but the church, the church is a passion of mine. I, not just our church, but the, the, the ministry in general. Uh, much of my day, most of my day, seven days a week, is involved in the church, church work, ministry, looking for ways to impact lives. I came up here Saturday morning, did my podcast, and, and the Lord let me just share my heart a little bit about uh, living in limbo. Uh, and there's a lot of people, we're in, kind of in limbo with this, with this election. We don't know how it's going to play out, how it's going to turn out. But there's a lot of Christians, they live in limbo. Because everybody looking at them has no idea where they're going and what they're about to do. They just, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uncertainty in their testimony. And, and the children of Israel spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness in between where they were saved from and where they were supposed to end up. I mean, you're talking about limbo. And so I came up here Saturday and did that early Saturday morning and then I had a funeral and preached a funeral and I, I really, I was probably working until about 3.30 before I finally shut my laptop and spent some time with my family. But seven days a week, really, I spend uh, focusing on the needs of the ministry, the church, uh, the work of God. And it's just, as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a Christian that's been in church my whole life, I'm just, I'm troubled by what I'm seeing taking place in our churches. I'm, I'm troubled 
at the decline. I'm, I'm troubled at the, the downward spiral that we are, seem like we're sucked up in this. It's, it's, it's unbelievable when you go back and read the book of Acts and how the church was when it started and how it is today. We've come a long way from, from God's uh, prototype. The day that God unveiled the local church in Acts chapter number 2 to a lost and dying world, a group of people that were all, every single one of them, every single one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and what God did to, to, to take that, that little handful of people, he started out with just the 12 disciples, had 120 in Acts chapter number 1. By the way, there's a lot of people place a lot of emphasis on numbers. They judge a man's success, a pastor's success by the size of his congregation. Jesus fed 5,000 people on the side of a mountain, fed 4,000 another time, healed, there's no telling how many people, raised people from the dead. I mean, it's, what he could do is unbelievable. And he had 120 in his church. 120. That was Jesus Christ, who never one time spoke without being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, who never one time didn't speak or, 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 or preach, whether it be a parable or what it was, not once did he ever get up to speak, but what he wasn't absolutely maximum full of the Holy Spirit of God. And he was able to perform all those miracles. Then he loved his sheep enough to die for them. And he could only get 120 to join his church by the time you get to Acts 1. Now that was 2,000 years ago. Is everybody still with me? So don't, don't let these people that put so much emphasis on how many they're running, don't let that throw you. Okay? But for Jesus to have the 12 and then the, the 120 in Acts and then it just exploded in Acts chapter number 2, 3,000 got saved. You get over to chapter number 4, another 5,000 men believed in verse number 4. There's no telling how many women and children. There's no telling before it was over with how many people made up that church in that first church in Jerusalem, but it was God's uh, prototype of the church. And boy, the more I study the early church, the more I'm convicted of how far we've come. And I just really wanted to preach this series to remind us of how I believe God intended for the church to be. We looked at the church, the, uh, the first message was out of verse 41. It was a receptive church. They gladly received his word. That was the first common denominator of these 3,000 that got saved was all of them gladly received the Word of God. A lot of people like to argue about the Word of God today. They like to debate. They like to, they like to uh, turn it into an academic discourse as opposed to just by faith accepting the Word of God as it is in truth the Word of God. And that is the secret to this church was that there was a 3,000 of them in verse 41 that gladly received His Word and they were baptized. They were added to the church. And then we looked in verse number 42 that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It was a doctrinal church. They didn't they didn't take doctrine and put it aside for the quote-unquote greater good to try to impact more people, get more people in. Doctrine's divisive. Biblical doctrine is very divisive and there's a lot of people can't handle it. They choke on it, okay? They, they run from it. Uh, but doctrine's important. That's why I hear at this church, anytime anybody, and I've had several in the last few weeks come to me and say, I want to join your church. What do I need to do? And I said, I want you to read our doctrinal statement. If you've got any questions, I'll sit down and talk about it. Because before you join our church, we want to make sure that you are in agreement 
uh, with what we believe. And if you don't understand it, then we'll explain it to you so you can uh, agree with us. But it's very important. These people continued in the apostles' doctrine. Put a big question mark over any Christian ministry or any church that minimizes the importance of doctrine. Then he goes on to say, in fellowship, preached last Sunday, both services on the, uh, it was a fellowshipping church. They, they understood the importance of drawing strength from one another, spending time with one another, and allowing each other to encourage and edify uh, the body of Christ. But uh, this evening, we're going to jump into the latter part of verse number 42, the, uh, the prototype of the early church, the uh, New Testament local church, that it was a praying church. You can't read much at all in Acts without finding the church praying. They were a praying bunch of people, and I just began to look at the thought, why are so many Christians today living in defeat when we've been told that we can be overcomers, that we are overcomers? Why are so many Christians falling into perpetual temptation when we've been told that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Why are so many Christians wandering around in the wilderness when God's will is for us to dwell in Canaan? The early church was started with tongues of fire. The modern church is full of tongues of fear. Can I get a witness? The early church was full of passion. The modern church is full of poison. The early church had people that were full of life. The modern church is dead, twice dead, plucked up by the roots in many cases. The early church people were excited. The modern church is exhausted. The early church shook their world. The modern church is being shaken by the world. They were willing to walk through the doorway to access the power of God because they continued steadfastly in prayers, according to verse number 42. I had, I don't know how many thoughts I wanted to give you tonight. I've preached on prayer a lot, did a lot of series on prayer, but I wanted to keep it simple tonight. The first thing I want to notice is their pattern of praying, the pattern of of their praying. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Where did the apostles learn to pray? Well, we know where they learned to pray. They learned to pray from Jesus. They had been taught the importance of prayer and how to pray by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter number 11, in verse number one, the Bible says it came to pass that as he was praying, talking about Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Could you imagine what it must have been like to hear Jesus pray? One of my favorite chapters to read, sometimes when I just want to bless us, I go read John 17 where Jesus was praying to his heavenly father in the upper room and all the other disciples were sitting there and got to eavesdrop in on one of the most intimate conversations we'll ever have the privilege to listen in on. I'm talking about the richness of Jesus talking to his heavenly father, the intimacy that he had. No doubt the disciples got to listen to Jesus pray on numerous occasions. There was many times where he would slip off. There's many places where Jesus slept off and prayed by himself. Sometimes he sent his disciples, you go ahead and leave, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. I'm going to go pray. Or he'd get up early in the morning, great while before day, in Mark chapter number one, went to a solitary place and prayed. But I imagine it was an amazing, amazing experience to listen to Jesus Christ pray. 
Yet the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us how to pray. They said teach us to pray. Jesus gave them some prayer lessons. God gave them, God in the flesh gave them some one-on-one instruction on how to pray. And I believe somewhere along the way, it took. It took a while. In fact, in Mark chapter number 14, Jesus said, watch you and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. I remember in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went up and took his disciples and he took Peter, James, and John. They went a little further. And he left them and then he went a little further and he began to pray. And three times he went back and found them sleeping. And I, 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 I don't know how many times I've read that story. I don't know how many times I've alluded to it in preaching. I don't know how many times I've preached from it. And I have to be careful that I don't get super spiritual with these guys because it was late at night. They were tired. And I've been tired at night too and didn't feel like praying. Can I get a witness? I, in fact, I've gone to pray at night and went to sleep praying. I went to sleep one couple times I was praying in a chair. I went to sleep in the chair and woke up and didn't know where I was at. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about down kneeling in the chair. I had to get up and get in the bed. But the truth of the matter is they learned how to pray. They learned the importance of prayer from Jesus. Remember when the disciples uh, were, were confronted in the story of the man of transfiguration by the man that had the son. He was trying to get some help for his son and Jesus and Peter, James, and John came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. This man came up to Jesus and he said, I, I need, my son needs help. I, my, my son's possessed. I need, I need somebody to help. I, I went to your disciples and they couldn't help him. No doubt they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. In fact, the Bible says later when they got off by themselves, they asked Jesus, said, why, couldn't we, why couldn't we help that man's little boy? And Jesus said, this kind goeth out only by prayer and fasting. They learned the importance of prayer from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And they carried that, that, that emphasis on praying right on through into the book of Acts. And I thought about this this evening. If Jesus needed to pray and the disciples needed to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? If Jesus, with all that he had going on, I mean, he was basically traveling with uh, 12 people, pretty much with them 24-7. Constantly always had people around him. If he found time to steal away and pray, surely you and I can find time to steal away and pray. If Jesus, being God in the flesh, needed to communicate with God on a personal level, how much more do you and I need to learn how to pray? You see, the pattern of their praying was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll never be able to impact the world or reach our family reach those around us if we don't learn how to pray. And I'm grateful here at Calvary Baptist Church. I feel like we've made some great strides in becoming a praying church. But not for one second do I think we need to take it easy, kick back. I think we need to press forward and move forward and, and gain new ground. And, and Brother Rolf is our prayer ministry director. Brother Gross is the assistant director. And, and we've been knocking around some more ideas of ways we can expand our existing prayer ministry. We're going to just continue to do that and keep adding different layers and aspects and opportunities for you to pray. But never minimize the importance of praying. If Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray. They and the early church were a praying church. We see the pattern of their praying. Secondly, we see the place of their praying. Many times we get 
the idea that you have to pray in a certain place at a certain time where it don't count. Truth is, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to pray all the time. We're supposed to live in a perpetual state of prayer. There should always be a prayer right on the edge of our lips, on the tip of our tongue, that we can just pray and talk to God and just pick up where we left off throughout the day. Many times when I'm praying, I just kind of pick up where I left off. And it's just, you don't have to start every single prayer out the same way. And our dear, kind Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, you don't have to do that. Our family has a group chat on our text messages. We text each other throughout the day, little things and and uh, we don't. We just kind of, just kind of keep it going throughout the day. Go a little while, and then boop, something will pop up. Somebody in the family's got something they want to share, something they want to say, and I love that. Just kind of keeps us connected throughout the day as we're all over the place. But I, I, I encourage you to have a, a little text, a little ongoing text with God throughout the day. Just, just keep touching base with Him and, and reach out to Him and touch Him and, and, and talk to Him and, and love on Him and worship Him and ask Him for things and, and call out people's name in prayer. You can pray anytime, place. I was looking at the places they prayed. Look with me in Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. Bible says after Jesus ascended up into heaven in verse number 10 and 11, verse 12, they returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they both, uh, they, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. Look at verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. What about that? What about that? This is Acts chapter number 1. This is before Acts 2. They were told to go and to tarry till they were endued with power from on high and they didn't know when that was going to happen or how that was going to happen but they assumed that it probably would be a good idea to just pretty much stay in a perpetual state of prayer and supplication. That's about as conducive an atmosphere as you can come up with to be endued with power. Come on now. They weren't out playing volleyball. We've got a nice volleyball court here outside. We've got two professional sand volleyball courts. They weren't playing volleyball. They weren't playing basketball. They weren't out on the soccer field playing kickball. They were gathered together in one place praying and continuing in prayer and supplication waiting for the Holy Spirit to fill them so they could fulfill the Great Commission. They prayed all together in the upper room in Acts 1.14. You get over to Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. We're talking about the place of praying. They all prayed all together in the upper room in Acts 1.14. They prayed in the temple in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1. What about that? Praying together. I like praying by myself. I like praying with other people too. I like praying with God's people. I like Every morning when we have staff meeting, we, we always close out in time of prayer. I enjoy that. I like praying with people. I like just grab somebody and have prayer with them. Something about it. It's hard to explain. It just builds up your spiritual man. It builds up your courage and your boldness. It builds a great bond and a relationship. 
They prayed together. Peter and John, I can see them now. Going up to the temple to pray. You want to go with me? Yeah, let's go. They went up to the temple. The hour of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 31, the Bible says they all prayed in their own company. After they were let go in verse 23, I'm in chapter 4, just stay with me. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 30, uh, 23, and being let go, they went to their own company. They all got back together again. Their own company. I'd make a good message right there, wouldn't it? Who's your company? They went to their own company. By the way, God's people has their own company. And it's different from the world's company. Should have got on that, on that message on fellowship. There's too much ground to cover. It took me two messages as it was. But they went to their own company. The Bible said in verse number 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They got together and prayed, had a prayer meeting. Kind of off the books. Wasn't scheduled. It's just they had an immediate need. They just all got together and prayed. I like it. Look at chapter 9. Look over to Acts chapter number 9. I know we're moving away from Acts 2, but stay with me. Acts chapter number 9. There's a story here about a woman, a certain disciple named Tabitha. They called her Dorcas. Verse number 36. The Bible's very clear in verse 37. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Woman's dead. She's not in a coma. She's not, she's not out unconscious with a fever. The Bible says she died. They washed her and laid her in an upper chamber. They're getting ready to embalm this woman. They're getting ready to wrap her up and put her in a sepulcher somewhere. And the Bible tells us for the sake of time that Peter rose and went with them in verse number 39. The Bible says in verse 40 Peter, that Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. What about that? He knelt down and prayed in somebody else's house right next to their bed. You can pray anywhere. Keep your place. We're going to come out there in a minute. You get over to Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 9, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. <laughs> he prayed up on the roof. Now, I've seen some of y'all's roofs. I wouldn't go up there and pray if I was you. You might fall and break your neck. Like old Eutychus, and then you're going to need somebody to come pray over you. But I'm saying they had the flat roofs back then. They went up, he went up there to pray, and the Bible says it was about the sixth hour. In Acts chapter number 16, by the way, these ain't all the places. This is just some of the ones that I highlighted. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They're in jail. <laughs> They're in prison. Praying at midnight. Can you do that? I guess so. They did. You get to Acts chapter 21. You get over to Acts chapter number 21 and verse number 5. The Bible says they all kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Brother Sasser, I guess you can pray just about anywhere. Huh? I believe child of God and get a hold of God anytime, anyplace. You don't have to just pray at church. We've got designated places to pray. We've got the, the, the balcony that we use and many of you utilize that and I'm grateful for it. And We've got the prayer sheets but hey, you can pray anytime, anywhere. You can pray on the job. If you get a couple of minutes, things get slow, just find somewhere and bow your head and pray a little bit. You're stuck in a traffic jam, pray a little bit. Yeah. 
Amen, it will hurt. I'm sure all the people around you would appreciate it as opposed to all the other stuff you're liable to be doing if you ain't praying. Can I get a witness? You wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep, pray a little bit. You wake up a little bit earlier than your alarm was set for, pray a little bit. Talk about the place of prayer. You can pray anytime, anywhere. By the way, these are just a few examples. There's a whole lot more in the book of Acts. People prayed all, you go look at the Bible, many people, they prayed in all kinds of places, all kinds of positions. The church, the first church was a church of prayer. They understood the power of prayer, which brings me to my third point. We see the power of their praying. The early church understood the necessity of prayer. Now understand, these people hadn't been saved long enough and hadn't been in church long enough to pray this because that's what they thought they were supposed to do. Can I say that again? There's a lot of people pray because that's just what they think they're supposed to do. They totally miss the whole purpose of prayer. Prayer moves the heart, that moves the hand, that moves the world. We pray to ask God to do things that we are incapable of doing. And the early church understood that the task that was in front of them, which had been given to them before Jesus ascended, was to go and spread the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature. What an overwhelming responsibility. The population wasn't nearly as high then as it is now. It's an overwhelming task. You and I need to understand that we cannot do what God has called us to do as a church without prayer. Begin to just note a couple of highlights in the early church. It illustrates the power of prayer. We touched on one in Acts 4. Stay with me. I'm just give you some verses you can follow along with me. In Acts 4 verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Let me say this. I'm talking about, I believe it's talking about a physical shaking. The same thing that happened at the, at the Philippian jail, the place was shaken. There was an earthquake, the doors were open, chains fell off. But can I say this? We don't need a physical shaking in our church today. In fact, I would prefer it not shake too much. We might get a chandelier on our head. But I'm a candidate for God shaking our church. I mean shaking us to the point that we're so unsettled out of our state of apathy and lethargic state to where everybody's looking around awake and alert and attentive. I'm telling you, prayer will shake a church quicker than anything. We think we have to have a revival. We think we have to call in some great preacher. We gotta find some big name preacher, some big shot preacher, get him in here to preach four, five, six, seven times to have a revival. I'm gonna tell you right now, our church could have a revival if everybody in here would just spend some time praying. I believe God could shake this church. We wouldn't have to have a message. We wouldn't have to have an evangelist to do it. I believe God could do it through prayer. Prayer shook the place. Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know God is shaking a church when people are spirit filled and people are talking about the things of God and they're not doing it with a shy, timid demeanor but they're bold and courageous. I'm telling you, we need that in our churches today. Look over at Acts chapter number six. We're talking about the power of praying. These men in the early church, they were, so, they were so, uh, so much believers in prayer that they said, we're going to have to find some men that we can delegate some of the responsibilities to in verse number four so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They said, we've got 
to spend more time praying and less time burping babies. We got to spend more time praying and less time going out and checking on these widows. We need to find some people that we can delegate these tasks to so that we can spend time continually. Look at what it says, that we may give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The Bible tells us they chose these seven men in verse 5 and verse number 6 says when they set before the apostles and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them and the word of God Increased And the number of disciples multiplied and Jerusalem and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Look what happened when they prayed. Look what happened when they placed the proper emphasis on prayer. The church began to grow. The church exploded. The word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied, the Bible says. Look at chapter 12. Turn over to Acts chapter number 12. Look what happens Peter is in prison. They've already killed James, the brother of John, with the sword in chapter 12, verse 2. They apprehended Peter and put him in prison, verse 4. Delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That is 16 soldiers guarding one man. Kind of get the impression they were a bit intimidated. The Bible said in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You get down to verse number 12, the Bible says that when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. What happens when the early church prayed? Peter was delivered from prison through the power of prayer. There's no other explanation for it. The angel came in and smote him on the side. He got up, chains fell off, put on his garment, followed that angel right out those doors. Those doors down at Walmart, opened by themselves. That was invented in Acts chapter number 12. It happened through prayer. They were praying. What else could they do? What else could they do? I know they didn't even, a lot of them didn't even believe when they were praying that God could do it. In fact, when Peter showed up, they said, Peter's outside, knock on the door. They said, you're crazy. Get back on your knees and pray for God to release Peter from prison. Rhoda said, but he's out front. They said, you're mad. We told you you're interrupting our prayer meeting. We're praying for God to get Peter out of prison. Now get back on your knees and pray for Peter to get out of prison. But he's out, he's out front knocking on the door. You're mad, they said. Imagine what God did when they were praying and didn't even have faith believing. Come on now, that helped the daylight side of me. Because there's been a few times I prayed, kind of had my fingers crossed behind my back, saying, Lord, please help this prayer work. Because I don't know what else to do. And I don't have the faith that I should have, but I know that prayer changes things. Prayer does change things. Chapter number nine, we just gave you this example. Back up a page or two. We just talked about Dorcas was sick and dead. Verse number 37, she died. They washed her body and laid her in the upper chamber. Peter come in in verse number 40, kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. What about that? That's power and prayer right there now. I mean, she's, she's five minutes away from being embalmed. They fixed to wrap her up with aloes and put her, put her mummy in a, in a, in a sepulcher. 
and he gets down beside her and prays. Her body's done gotten cold. I think that encourages me when everybody else doesn't give up. God can still do the impossible. Just remember that. And when she opened her eyes and she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. <laughs> and it was known throughout old Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. It came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. What about that? Power of prayer. Raised Dorcas from the dead. She went back to her good works and alms deeds. She went back to being a blessing in the church. Could you imagine sitting down? Could you imagine sitting down with her after that? Dorcas, tell us about the time you died. Tell us about the time you died. Man of God came and prayed over your body and you got come back from the dead. Tell us about that, Dorcas. Can you imagine? I was looking at Acts chapter number 10. You should be right there. Where Peter went up on the rooftop to pray about the sixth hour in verse number nine. While he was up there, by the way, when he was up there, God did something amazing. And God sent him a vision. I thought I was the only person that got hungry when I was praying. Look at verse 10. He became very hungry. He must have been working. He worked up an appetite, didn't he? While he was up there, God opened up his eyes and showed him a vision of the sheep coming down from heaven with all manner of four-footed beasts and Peter didn't understand what it, was, what, it, what it stood for, what it meant. While he was thinking on the vision, verse number 19, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Went down, and guess who he found? Cornelius from the Italian band. Cornelius, his guys brought him back to Cornelius' house, and Peter got to preaching, and the whole, whole crowd got saved. Whole crowd got saved. We could just go on and on through the book of Acts, but I think tonight, I think one thing the Holy Spirit of God is trying to remind us of is this the early church was a praying church. And we're dealing with things in 2020, coming up on 2021. I'm hoping 2021 is better than 2020 was. But who knows? Who knows? That just might have been a foretaste of glory divine. Who knows? It might be crazier this coming year than it was this year. And I can't help but wonder how many of God's people still hasn't learned to pray. I mean, we've been, we've been through just about every possible unbelievable scenario. And yet I think we've probably still got church people that hadn't yet figured out how to pray. How to call out to God. How to turn to God and look to God. The church in Acts was a praying church. They were praying in Acts 1, you find them praying throughout all the book of Acts. They were praying, praying, praying people. They continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine of fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Maybe tonight, God just might be finding one or two people out of this, out of this crowd that while I've been preaching now, the Holy Spirit of God said, when are you, when are you going to start praying? When are you going to get serious about your prayer life? When are you going to stop fooling around, playing around as I preach Wednesday night, get it together and figure out how to get a hold of God in prayer. We need God now more than ever before. 
We shouldn't wait till there's an emergency. We shouldn't wait till our back's against the wall. We should have a continual attitude and spirit of prayer, asking God to do the impossible. How many of you want to see God do the impossible? Wasn't it a blessing this morning to see this place full? I walked out to the soccer field and there was just cars, cars parked all over that soccer field, overflow parking. I said, God, help us to see this every Sunday. God, help us reach more people, see people saved. This morning my heart burned as I looked across the sanctuary and saw men and women at this service this morning because we had a promotion, had a special day that I know don't take their kids to church ever. My heart broke. I said, God, give them a desire to be godly parents and find out what it means. Don't wait till their kids are in jail before they look the preacher up. Wait till their kids have run away from home and got pregnant out of wedlock and living in sin and on drugs before they look up the preacher. I preach funerals all the time for people that don't have a church and don't have a pastor and they go through the phone book or go through the website or whatever and they call and ask us to preach their children's funerals. Their family's funerals. They don't have a church. They don't have a pastor. My heart aches for those people. That wait till the last minute. We got a lot of people though in our churches that are here every service. They really wait the last minute to pray. God is speaking to your heart tonight. Would you respond during the invitation? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, if you would, to help Calvary Baptist Church, Dundalk, Maryland, continue to learn what it means to be a praying church. I pray, God, that it not be left up to just a handful of people to do the praying, that it not just be left up to the prayer warriors and some of our senior saints and some of our fiery Christians, but, Lord, I pray that every man, woman, teenager, every young person in this church will learn what it means to pray, talk to God, steal away into their secret place and pray. Lord, we ask you to do the impossible. We pray, Lord, because we cannot do the things that we're asking you to do. We desperately need you to do it, Father. We need your hand of power working in our homes, in our families, in our lives, in our church, in our nation. I'm still praying for a miracle. A miracle, Lord, that would be so amazing. It will be of historic proportion. You're able. I know you are. I pray for our city. I pray for Dundalk, Maryland to be saved. I pray that Calvary Baptist Church would be a beacon and a light in a lost and dying world to bring people to Jesus Christ. I pray for our moms and dads to be the spiritual leaders in their homes and raise their children. Bring them up in the old paths. I pray for daddies, Lord, to have the courage, the strength, the character to step up and lead their families. Forgive us, Lord, for making excuses, passing the buck, playing the blame game. Lord, I pray that we would assume responsibility for our own spiritual relationship with you and God, that you would strengthen us and build us up. Help us, I pray.